How many of you love Jesus today? Aren't you glad that He loves you? And that you could love Him because He first loved you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this time together. We gather in Your name. Lord, there are some things that need to be heard today. There are some situations that are desperate. There are other situations that just a little course correction will change things down the line. But in, in any case, we pray that you would uh, anoint us to hear a word, God, that will lift burdens, hallelujah, destroy yokes, help in a time of need. We worship you and we love you and we cleave to you. You are our strength. You are our life. You are our love. You are our purpose in Jesus' mighty name. Can you be seated and shout on the way down? Hallelujah. For those of you that were expecting to hear Pastor Mark, uh, I'm sorry. I hope that my cheese and crackers will be a blessing to you today. I do want you to know that I take it very, very seriously to stand before the people of God and to bring uh, something before them that I have to make sure that I've received something from the Lord. Which, aren't you happy that we did? Or else we just might just go have pancakes because that's what they're doing next door. (laughs) Today I'm ministering a message to you entitled, God's Everlasting Kingdom. Subtitle, Stable, Fixed, and Enduring. You know, what's really interesting, there's a lot of things around in our lives that are not as advertised. You can go to Safeway and get mugged. You can go to Rite Aid and get the wrong prescription. (laughs) You can go to Payless and end up paying more than the store next down the street. You can uh, buy a a product, Everlast. How many are familiar with Everlast products, gym products? You can get something Everlast and it could break in three weeks. It's just like some things are just not as advertised. (laughs) But one thing that we, we can understand is today we're going to talk about God's kingdom, which is everlasting. And there's a, the, the, it's, it's a little bit of a different concept and paradigm to hang on to as a Christian because there is so much change in the world today. Let me just read something to you about uh, change And uh, it's so important that we not let the spirit of the world come in and sneak into the church. A lot of times when uh, preachers talk about the spirit of the world creeping in, they think that, you know, uh, some type of moral position, that, that you're letting your moral position slip and slide. But there's another spirit of the world that we're going to talk about today, and uh It's fostered by exponential change. Listen to this. This comes from an excerpt by Becky Sweat. uh, And this was an article that she wrote entitled, How Can We Cope in a World of Rapid Change? Now, she called it rapid change. Please understand, what year is it today? 2022, right? This article was written in 2010. And they were sweating it, no offense. They were sweating it out because of the change. That was happening then. We're 12 years later. And the change is ridiculous. I don't know about you. But it's extraordinary. Especially in the last five years. And you can focus on the last two years. Everything about our life. It seems to be upended. From the way that we shop. To the way that we talk and communicate. uh, To the way that we do school. To the way that we do work. 
You know, everything's different to, to the, way, the way we fly on airplane, the way we come to church. Everything is so different. It has taken us and turned us upside down. How many of you can agree with that? I, I'm a man of faith. And I, by being a person of faith, we must resist fear. But one of the things that would come against my soul, and I got to be honest with you, friends. This last two years has been ridiculous, especially 2020 and 2021. It was ridiculous with having to find out a new way to do things. I mean, I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning to stand in line by six to be able to wait in line that wraps around the stores to go shopping. Then I try to sneak in on the old people line (laughs) and have to convince people that I'm an old people, but... Get to the front, it's the wrong day. Oh, sorry. I, I, whatever. <laughs> I got a little gray right here. Put your mask on. No, oh, sorry. <laughs> but the world has seen a dizzying amount of change in the last 20 years and a ridiculous amount of change in the last three, four, five years. Let me read this. While our world has always experienced change, the rate of change is speeding up. Many historians, sociologists, and journalists have expressed concern in recent years about the rapid change in our society. They tell us that today's world is changing at an accelerated rate unlike anything past generations have witnessed. Maybe this will explain why many of you have had such a struggle to try to keep your peace and hang on to it. Like You have to really work at hanging on to your peace with everything changing around you. In other words, she says, as time progresses, the world is changing at an exponentially increasing rate. Yet centuries ago, historical change was linear, maintaining the same pace and thus was much less noticeable. Now, those of you that have gone to school and have a little bit of math, when we talk about exponential, surely you have seen those graphs where things go slowly like this, right? This is, this is like a linear growth. But on the graph, when there's a turn and it goes like this and starts going this way, that's when we talk about exponential. It's ridiculous. How change of, I mean, I don't, I don't have graphics for you. I could have, but I didn't, starting from the industrial revolution to where we are today. It's, it's almost like going this way, like really, really concerning. But let's keep reading here. Since the industrial revolution, when the speed of change really started picking up, society has been transforming accordingly. It began with the shift from the rural to agrarian society uh, to an urban industrial society. Fewer workers were needed to cultivate greater crops, so people moved to the big cities to take factory jobs. That led to a whole range of changes in lifestyle, family, structure, culture, and value. So for those of you that are elders, and I guess I'm an elder, (laughs) but those that are more elder than me, you know what I'm talking about. You have seen many, many of you, some of you in this room, you grew up on a farm. You understood the agrarian way of life. Amen. I wonder if Mom Lasak is here. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, Pastor Brenda. Hi, Pastor Brenda. Uh, they grew up on a farm. I never saw a farm. I, yeah, I grew up on cement smelling Mac uh, buses on, in the city. I grew up in 21st and Bryant Street in San Francisco, in case you wanted to know. Across the street from... Uh, 
Santana's grandmother. I didn't even know that was Santana going up there. What a shame. I wish I could have made an acquaintance there. Man, I was dumb, man. Somebody finally said, hey, that's Santana. By then it was too late. Anyway, uh, so listen to this. Okay, watch this. The computer revolution that started about 25 years ago. And remember, this article was 10 years ago, well, 12 years ago. Are you listening to me? So it says, the computer revolution that started around 25 years ago set, sent the rate of change into its exponential rise. Today, scientific and technological changes are taking place at such a breathtaking pace that many have difficulty keeping up with them. Now, let me just put my vernacular to this. In my opinion, particularly in the last two to five years, it has imposed great unreasonable change in the world. As we said, every part of life, it reached down right to where we live. And not something far away, but right to where we live. And to such a degree that we didn't even know how we're going to do tomorrow, right? Right? Like, we'd have to check, uh, are we going to be able to even go out on the street? Or do you need a special pass? Or do you need some kind of a mask? Or are the police going to stop me? Or is everybody supposed to stand in place? Okay, go out. Okay, come in. Okay, go out. Okay, come in. That's what we did at church. Like, okay, worship outside. Worship inside. Oh, back outside. Back inside. Don't, not at all. Okay, outside. It was ridiculous. But you have this feeling like you never know what's happening next. You, you don't know how to do life, right? Am I the only one or, or what? So I, in my little life, will accentuate here a staggering systemic instability in the day we live. Very, very unstable. And things kind of settled out a little bit, but it's still unstable. Everything could change on the dime. You know, you, you all have that feeling like, oh, brother, every time Fauci gets up on the mic, oh, brother, what's going to happen next? <laughs> you, you, you know what? You don't know what to expect. Is that right? I see the desperate need for stability. And if you're looking for stability, first of all, we were created. Get this. We were created for stability. We were not created to go hand to mouth and wonder what's going to happen next. We're supposed to know what's going to happen. We're supposed to walk in a plan that God has foreordained for us. Not afraid when evil comes. Somebody said it. No fear. Because we know the plan. The plan giver. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so here's the first point I'm going to make today as we talk about God's everlasting kingdom. Stability begins with God. If you do not have God in your life, you are subject to the instability all around you. Jobs may come and go. Mandates may come and go. Pandemics or plandemics may come and go. But you've got to be founded on the rock. Yes. Last I checked, 
the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I don't know about you, but when I feed on things about stability, it helps me sleep better at night. It helps me do life more confidently. So let's see how stability begins with God. First, we start with Malachi 3 and verse 6. A, really. For I am the Lord. I change not. We could just stop right there. and That works right there. I am the Lord. I change not. You cannot hack him. You cannot cancel him. You cannot overwrite him. He is that he is. Let's go to our next little scripture. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and come on say it forever. You've got to get this friends. You've got to get this sense of forever because in our finite world forever is cheap. When you get a lifetime warranty, the company goes out of business. Sorry, Charlie, you can't get a replacement basketball hoop. They went out of business three years ago. A warranty or a guarantee is only as good, even if it's lifetime, as good as the company is still in business. I want you to know God is, has been in business, is in business, and will always be in business. And as Christians, you ought to be about your father's business. Hallelujah. Now, where were we here before I distracted myself with a little preaching there? Yeah, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's, let's look at Psalm 91, and I hear echoes of my pastor preaching on this. This is a theme that he has such an unction pre- preaching about. Psalm 91 in the Amplified Version, verse 1. He who dwells... In the secret place of the Most High shall remain what? Stable, 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 shall remain stable. Pastor Tom, I need stability in my life. Are you dwelling in the secret place? Are you dwelling in the secret place? Because if you are, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty. Now read this next caption, which I love. Whose power no foe can withstand. Let that sink in just a little bit. See, you're redeemed by an everlasting covenant. Not like everlast gloves or, you know, jogging suit, but everlasting covenant. Everlasting, really, it really means it. Everlasting. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalms 145, verse 13. How many, how many are enjoying the, just the prelude? This is just the introduction. Hallelujah. Psalm 145, 13 in the King James Version reads like this. Thy kingdom is a temporary kingdom. No? no? Oh, I'm sorry. I've got to clean this up. 
Thy kingdom is a what? Everlasting kingdom. And thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. Did it say some generations or the earlier generation? All generations. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's stop right there as we begin to prepare to transition here. So important for you to get this. I'm not interested in getting through notes as much as I'm interested in getting across to you the concept that you are part of an eternal family with an eternal calling. Satan can't touch this. Ha ha samakotis. Hallelujah. Whatever trouble you're facing, whatever challenge, whoever has risen up against you, remember this. They're the temporary ones. The situations in your life, that's what's temporary. Not you. Hallelujah. The calling, the anointing, the power of God, the love of God is eternal. Let me move forward in this. The spirit of the world, there's this, there's this spirit that I, I'm going to dub it. I've never, I haven't heard anybody preach on this before. This just kind of came to me. And that is the cultural phenomenon of planned obsolescence. Planned obsolescence. Now, the best way for me to get this concept across to you to make sure you don't have it in your life is to go to industry. So I'm going to go and read you a little bit of, of what this concept means. In economics and industrial design, planned obsolescence, also called built-in obsolescence or premature obsolescence, is a policy of planning or designing a product with an artificially limited useful life or a purposely frail design so that it becomes obsolete after a certain predetermined period of time. Are you listening? Is that too much? I mean, I didn't think that was like too, too much. Okay. So this determined period of time which it decrementally functions or suddenly, suddenly ceases to generate long-term sales volume or reducing the time between repeat, repeat purchases. All right, are you listening? So it's shortening of the replacement cycle. This, it is the deliberate shortening of a lifespan to, of product to force people to purchase functional replacements. Are you listening to that? I'm going to read that last sentence again because we're going to take that, that, that concept that's worldly and it's driven by the almighty buck, which is not so mighty, by the way, in case you checked inflation recently. It causes products to seem to lose value quickly. Listen. It says this. There... It's reflected in a shortening of the replacement cycle and it's deliberate shortening of a lifespan of a product to force people to purchase functional replacements. So you you spend $2,000 on a refrigerator. Is this too simple for anybody? $2,000 on a refrigerator and it breaks in three years. And you go to somebody to, like, can, can you fix this for me? Call a repairman. So they're charging you $300 to come to your house and tell you, oh, man, that's old. 
that's end of life, baby. You have to buy a new one. And then we can talk about the telephone. I know you can relate to that. I call this the upgrade and update craze that is invasive. It's an invasive norm in this culture, the worldly culture. What are you talking about, Pete? Don't worry, this has a spiritual application. Don't throw away your phone. Hang on. You can donate them to me if you like. We'll give them to somebody that really needs it. We're constantly bombarded with updates for our phones, our computers, our software. Things quickly become outdated. The whole, I never even knew. When I was growing up, and I'm not an old guy, I didn't think so. But when I was younger, I never heard this word, end of life. End of life. You know, like, suddenly you get, you know, Windows 7, and then end of life. Oh, okay, uh, no, sorry, let's go all the way to Windows 98. Windows 98. Oh, end of life. Oh, really? Oh, okay, come over here. So I have to learn how to do everything different. Okay, Windows XP. Oh, okay, cool. Windows XP, end of life. Oh, really? Okay, come over here. Okay. Windows 7. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I have to learn everything. Learn everything, everything, everything. Oh, end of life. Okay, come over here. Windows win, Windows 8. Oh, end of life. Okay, come over here. Windows 10. Oh, end of life. Oh, end of life. Okay. All of a sudden, in our lifetime, there are so many end of lives on just about everything. And it's, and it's, it's a, it, what is this? What is this all about? You're going to get it in a moment. It's, it's part of this exponential curve of change to always keep people off balance. Like you, you get a new phone and you get, or you get a new computer only that you have to learn how to do everything again. Like, can I just use the old one where all I'm doing is typing a letter? No, you have to get this newest, the latest and greatest. Like, oh, okay. Then you have to spend Three years learning how it even works. Like, man, are you sure I can't go to my Windows 98? No, you have to use this one. <laughs> and then you get your phone and you're like, where, where's, the, where's the alarm? How do you even open this? How do you turn? <laughs> you have to go to take a college course and you know you've done, you, you know you've done this. You have to, you have to Google it and to figure out how in the world do you silence your phone? Like, where's the knob? Where's the, how do you turn it on? How do you turn it off? Something that was so simple. We're playing this game. Listen, we're playing this game where we're running as fast as we can to stay in the same place. Somebody say it again, Ray. Lord help us. You know, that's right. And this is what I have to say. <laughs> oh, yeah, I have to throw this one in. You know, vintage. How many are familiar with the word vintage? Yeah. Something really weird happened to me in the last couple of years. I was looking at certain things. I have, you know, some instruments and different things. And, and I'm looking at this and, and I'm like, wow, you know, uh, I start looking for replacement parts. And they say, well, you're now, it's vintage. Vintage? Like, dude, Really? <laughs> I bought that. How many years ago was that? You realize like vintage is getting shorter and shorter. Like, like, man, I bought this. I bought this guitar three years ago. Oh, that's vintage. <laughs> it used to be right. It used to be vintage meant like 30 years ago or 40 years ago. Like your grandmother's stuff or your great grandmother stuff. Like you see that couch right there or you see that little armchair. That's vintage. <laughs> 
man, you better watch out. You go home and you've got a TV that's only been two years. It's vintage. <laughs> the mad rush to exponential change can blur the perspective of what is enduring. I'm suggesting you today, don't get caught up in the paradigm of running to stay in place. Learn to discern what is temporary and what is eternal. And we're going to, I am so going to preach this. You guys help me preach this. Gloria a Dios. (laughs) That meant glory to God in Spanish in case you didn't know. I'm going to tell you some things that are enduring. You could call them vintage. You can call them ancient if you want to. But they still work. And they come long before we came on the scene. Long before the experts came on the scene and the talking head. This stuff God established. And the word of God is forever settled in heaven. Let's talk about the cross. We had a wonderful Easter service. Wow, what a wonderful time in God we have celebrating the resurrection of our Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. It may sound old-fashioned, but I'm here to tell you that the old rugged cross, that's right, old, it's old, it was old, and it was rugged, and it was a cross. Its effect, its effect will last forever. Forever. Let me do these. This is for Pastor Brenda. Love you, Pastor Brenda. Check this out. On a hill far away. Kind of sounds like once upon a time, long, long ago, far away. On a hill far away stood an old, everybody say old. Old. Rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross were the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. If that is too old fashioned for you, I'm sorry. But it is what is enduring and it's for real relevant right now. Hallelujah. There are no upgrades to the cross. That means no replacements. There are no updates. When you upgrade, like upgrade, don't get too spiritual on me. When you upgrade your phone. That means you turn in your 7 to get an 8 or a 9 or 12 or 15 or whatever it is. Right? You're upgrading. But when you update, you're just adding to and kind of building upon, you know, little updates. All right. You got me. All right. There are no upgrades to the cross. You cannot hack it. You cannot cancel it. And you cannot improve upon it. Its message stands clear. Whoever turns to the cross and whoever receives the offering offered on that cross, it is the only thing. I said it is the only thing that will stop death dead in its tracks and turn an old person into the ultimate upgrade, a new creation in Christ Jesus. A sinner does not need an update. 
You don't have to sit up with the dead. A sinner, what a sinner needs is an upgrade. They have to be born again. And if that's too old fashioned for you, wake up and smell the coffee because that's exactly the way God planned it. Jesus himself said, you must be born again. And by the way, this is love speech. I just want to be very, very clear about this. The Bible is love speech. It reflects the Father's love for you. The Father's love for people that make mistakes. The Father's love for people that have made a mess of life. The Father's love toward those that he wants to give a second and third chance, hallelujah, and raise them up and upgrade them to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's one upgrade that you should never pass up, receiving Jesus as your Lord. Hallelujah. But let's look at some other things. I like to say it this way. When Jesus came and he went and paid the price on that cross. Of course, he was raised up. I want to read from Colossians chapter 2 and verse now number 8 in the King James Version. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the traditions of men, and after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. There's a lot flying around, friends. There's a lot of things being thrown out and and just toppled and canceled right and left. But this is one you cannot allow the enemy to steal this truth from you. Verse number 13. And you being dead in your sins... And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven, forgiven all of your trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross that we have been talking about for the last about three, four minutes. I'm telling you, Jesus nailed it. He doesn't have to come back and... Have you ever heard redo? We need a redo. There are no, there's no need for a redo. That's right. When he said it is finished, he meant it. You cannot let a commentator, you cannot let a school official, you cannot let peer pressure talk you out of the fact That sin is real and there is a price to pay if you allow yourself to go that way. But there was a cross and on that cross somebody bore that sin in his body on a tree. So that you could live unto righteousness and get the massive upgrade that we all desperately need. Hallelujah. Man, sin may seem like an old fashioned concept. But I'm here to tell you that the wages of it are death. While the gift of God through Christ is forgiveness and eternal life. If you have nothing else to celebrate this morning, how about this? All your sins are forgiven. Just, wow. Wow, that's really amazing. Every sin you've ever committed, gone, forgiven. Wow, every mistake, 
knowingly or unknowingly. Forgiven. Wow, that's just such good news. And then there's love on the, on the other side of that. Let's not kid ourselves. The scripture is still true. All have sinned, come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. Praise God. But thank God, like Pastor Nancy said in a service recently, he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone, somebody, to wash my sin away. So now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, because he paid a debt that I could never pay. Folks, the books are going to be open. We're going to stand before the Lord. And you may, whoever you are, all of us under the sound of the, we're all going to stand before the Lord and give an account of the deeds done in the body. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to tell you, hey, choose life here. Choose, choose the cross. Make sure that you're covered. Praise God. You don't need, you don't need insurance. You need assurance. You need the kind of assurance that comes from an old song. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Talk to me about those old things. Hallelujah. So we know that there's no upgrades to the resurrection. Did you know that the blood of Jesus did go... There, there are no upgrades to the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. And in fact, the blood of Jesus being shed was the upgrade... It was the upgrade so that the, the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it. But he came in once and for all. He did the upgrade. Boom, it's done. It's done. There's nothing that you have done or will do or might do that the blood of Jesus can't reach you and take care of business. Nothing. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more or any less. Man, talk about eternal. I love this. It should help you sleep good at night. Hallelujah. So let me go quickly through these and then we'll be... Wow, I'm doing really good on time. (laughs) Praise the Lord. So I wanted to say there are no upgrades in case this seems too old-fashioned for you. There are no upgrades to the Word of God. Let's go to Psalm 19. Let's look at a couple of things about God and the kingdom of God that there's no need. You can't upgrade it. And it's, it's not obsolete. It'll never grow obsolete. Psalm 19, 7 through 11, New King James Version. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward." Somebody in the house, please tell me what's wrong. Is there anything? What's wrong with that? That people want to cancel that? What's wrong with that? That people want to not turn to that? They don't want it read in your school. They don't want to see you reading it. You can't have that. We got to put that away. 
Come on, friends. There's persecution. The spirit of Antichrist is all around us. They're trying to cancel the name of Jesus. They're trying to cancel the power of the blood of Jesus. They're trying to cancel the name of Jesus. They're trying to cancel the word of God. Can't do it. You cannot. Somebody say, can't do it. Jesus said this, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus also said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Matthew 24, 35. I want you to see that one. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalm 119, 89 and 90. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. How many? Only great-grandpa, great-grandma, or is all generations? His faithfulness endures to all. You establish the earth and it abides. Hallelujah. Of course, the name of Jesus is forever exalted. And I'm going to skip on down to something else where I'm going to just kind of break it down and then close today. So how many of you give me about 10 more minutes? Hallelujah. Yeah. So here, here it is. Here it is. Beware of the godless culture around us. The very dangerous development where biblical values, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and morals are being dashed and despised. Amen. These criticisms and these opinions and these actions come from so-called experts of this age that are godless and they're full of thoughts and reasonings that have no spirit in it. Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 9 in the message version. Now look at this, and this I realize you're thinking, I hear you thinking out there, We, of course, have plenty of wisdom to pass on to you once you get your feet on firm spiritual ground. But it's not popular wisdom. Listen to this. It's not popular wisdom. The fashionable wisdom of high-priced experts that that will be out of date in a year or so. Sound familiar? Like stuff we get from the CDC and other places. Out of date. It's ridiculous. God's wisdom is something mysterious that goes deep into the interior of His purposes. You don't find it lying around on the surface. It's not the latest message, but more like the oldest. What God determined as the way to bring out His best in us long before we ever arrived on the scene. The experts of our day haven't a clue about what this eternal plan is. Amen? Amen. Listen, I'm, we, I, I just want to pause here for a moment. We are from the kingdom of love. We're not against people. Amen? Amen. We do take issue with wicked spirits in heavenly places... 
and we take authority over them. We bind them. We cast them down. Amen. But we are not suggesting that you develop animosity toward people. Be careful. It's the spirit that people are operating, that, that's driving. There, I want, here's a little clue for you. There are many people that are sincere. Paul the Apostle was totally sincere. He's, before he was Paul the Apostle, he was Saul of Tarsus, was he? And he was persecuting the church. 150% sincere. But what happened? People were praying that his eyes would be opened or deliver us from this wicked and unreasonable people and what have you. And he, what happened, Brother Joe? God got a hold of him. God opened the eyes of his understanding. Hallelujah. And he that once persecuted the church is now preaching Christ. (laughs) And he ended up, you know, writing a whole lot of the Bible, you know. (laughs) Pretty, Pretty amazing development, wouldn't you think? We're not against people. We're, we love people. Amen? Amen. So don't you, don't you come to me disliking people and disrespecting people and, talk, and trash-talking people. We're, praying, we're from a heavenly kingdom. Amen? And we bring down heavenly results. Praise the Lord. We pray for truth to be uncovered, revealed, and exposed. So notice this. But you have seen... And heard it because God by His Spirit has brought it all out to the open before you. God, just a little excerpt. God determined as the way to bring out the best in us. You know, when God says, do this and do that, it's not to make life a bummer. It's to bring out the best in us. Hallelujah. So let me, I'm closing with some of this right here. And some of these people, they're well-meaning, but at Romans 8, chapter 6, through 7, Romans 8, 6 and 7. Now the mind of the flesh, notice what it is, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit, is death. Death that comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. But the mind of the Holy Spirit is life and soul peace, both now and forever. Hallelujah. So don't be too hard on these people. You got to pray for their salvation. Get saved. That's their greatest need, so many people. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And if you were honest with me, there's a whole lot of things that are not submitted to God's law going on right now. It's just, it doesn't even make sense let alone submit to God's law. But here I'm going to close with these handful of scriptures. And, uh, well, i got to say this. Judges 17.6, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I like that, to, to underscore that phrase, everybody did what was right in their own eyes. No moral compass. Look at it in the message. It says, people did whatever they felt like doing. If I feel like breaking into your store and stealing 899.99 cents dollars worth of merchandise, I'll do it because I feel like it. If I feel like breaking into your car, I will because I feel like it. There's a whole lot of nonsense going on, friends. It's really ridiculous. 
People did what they felt like doing. And then there's, uh, of course, wow. I'll just read it out of the King James Version. Isaiah 5, 20 through 21, which is what's happening sort of right now. Woe to them, Isaiah 5, 20 and 21. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto those that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Wow. I mean, I, I've never seen it like this in, in all my life. I've never seen it so upside down. But praise God, I have, I have an exhortation for you <laughs> before we close. And we're about to close here. And I, we're closing here. The, the, hopefully there's a shout on this. Jeremiah 6.16. Let's look at that in the New King James Version. Jeremiah 6.16. How many you still with us? Just hang on just a little bit. We'll get you shouting and on your way. And uh, maybe we'll get some underground pancakes over there uh, uh, with Cindy uh, in the CIA. Those of you that are home, sorry. They'll be stale by the time you make it back. Uh, <clears throat> Jeremiah six sixteen, the New King James Version. Thus saith the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for what? The old paths where the what? The good way is and walk in it. Then you will find rest for your souls. Let's move on to the next, the Amplified. Listen what it says here. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the eternal paths where the good old, everybody say old way is then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls let's take it in the message version we have a couple more before we start shouting in a moment God's message God's message yet again go stand at the crossroads and look around ask for directions to the old road listen to this the tried and true road then take it take it take it hallelujah the old road and let's take it in the good news translation the Lord says to his people stand at the crossroads and look Ask for the ancient paths where the best road is. The best road is. Walk in it and you will live in peace. Hallelujah. Now, I just dropped by today. I'm going to borrow a little bit from Pastor Mark. I just dropped by today to share with you that that same faith that you have, that brought you here so far, that same faith that you were, many of you have been walking with the Lord 20 years, 30 years, some 10, some 5, some 3. But where you started from, that same love of the Father that you took then, and that same word, that is still relevant today. 
And I don't know about you, but that, if that's old-fashioned, so be it. I'm an old-fashioned Christian. I'm old-fashioned born again. I'm old-fashioned washed from the, by the blood of Jesus from my sin. I'm old-fashioned free in Jesus. I do old-fashioned praying. I do old-fashioned binding and loosing. I live the old-fashioned way of loving everybody. I do the old-fashioned thing of overlooking people's faults and believing the best of every person. I do the old-fashioned thing of praying in the Holy Ghost. That's right, Holy Ghost. I do the old-fashioned thing. Somebody will say, Pastor Tom, maybe isn't that a little bit old? I mean, how about you get more help? No, no thank you. I'll stay with the good path, the proven path, the best path. I asked for direction and God gave it to me 40 years ago and I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go of the God life. I'm not letting go of the joy. This is for you, Pastor Brown. I'm not letting go of the joy of the Lord. Thank you very much. You can be bummed out all you want. Maybe joy, maybe joy is a little bit too old-fashioned for you. But I'm going to tell you something. Joy is the only way to live. I live in the kingdom of God that's forever. And that's righteousness. That's peace. And that's joy in the Holy Ghost. I am living in the old-fashioned way to testify. That's right. Testify of how good God is. I'm living in the old-fashioned way that when things are going wrong around me, like Habakkuk, if the, if the fig tree is not uh, blossoming and there's no cattle in the stall, I am going to rejoice anyway. I'm going to run, this is for you, Pastor. I'm going to run up and down the aisle just the same. I'm going to blow, and my wife will tell you this, I'm going to run up and down the hallway of my house and declare victory and take my little chauffeur. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. Maybe that's a little too old-fashioned for some people, but it's just right for me. Hallelujah! Maybe living by faith seems a little old-fashioned to somebody, like speaking the word in season and out of season, like getting up in the morning and bowing down on your knees and calling out to God and honoring the Lord of life and the Prince of life. Maybe that seems a little too old-fashioned for somebody, but I want you to know, just like the, just like the commercial of old, it's the only way to fly. You can crawl if you want to. I, as for me and my house, we're going to fly. We're going to rise up with wings as eagles. We're going to soar. Hallelujah. Yep, yep. You know, you're not going to attract very many folk and very many young folk, you know, preaching about the Holy Ghost and, 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 and having the joy of the Lord and, and running around and, and, pray, and praying in tongues and all that. Come on, Pastor Tom. you got to get hip. I'm sorry. I am hip. i got an eternal message with an eternal salvation, with an eternal Jesus. I know where I've been. I know where He brought me. And I know where I'm going. How about you? Come on, stand up on your feet and give Him some praise. Hallelujah! 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 Woo! Yeah! 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 Woo! Oh! Hallelujah! 
Maybe the Jesus you serve is this little itty-bitty plastic Jesus somewhere. Uh, But he's not an itty-bitty little plastic Jesus. I want to tell you something. God raised him up on that third day. And he's seated on the throne on high. And God gave him a name higher than every in all names. Hallelujah. So whenever I got a problem, I go to the rock that's higher than I. Hallelujah. We know what we're talking about. We worship God in and by the Spirit. This is not a show. This is for real. Hallelujah. The messages that you hear across this pulpit, it's not religion. It's not a program. It's not a quarterly. It's revelation knowledge of people that are not just trying to do this. They are doing this. They're living for Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. i got to ask you to be seated. <laughs> oh. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ancient paths. Hallelujah. The tried and true paths. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, Lord, I just pray for those under the sound of my voice. I pray that the admonition of Scripture has not only encouraged them, but challenged them, Lord, to prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. To not give in to the pressure that the enemy would try to say, Oh, that's obsolete. Oh, Oh, that's outdated. Oh, that's not relevant anymore. You need something new. You need, you need an upgrade. You, no, no, Lord, thank you that your, your word is forever settled in heaven. <laughs> and thank you that you have a listening ear. We praise you and we come on, pray with me for a minute. He is still and will always be the strength of your life. He always has been. He always will be. He'll be near to the brokenhearted. Yeah. And he has a, and he'll surround you. And he's your provider. Yeah, he'll make a way. God will still make a way. He'll still make a way where there is no way. That's right. And he's still, he's still the God of reconciliation. Yeah, we're believing God that you're reconciling people. You're causing, you're causing relationships to be healed. Yeah, and you're causing them, you're causing them to be healed, Lord. Hallelujah. You're causing hearts to be turned. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.